Welcome to Conversation with H. We have the award-winning queen of not just gospel neo soul, but one of the queens of neo soul for me. She's the author of two books, The Adventures, the Adventures of Al Jay the Great. I'm so proud of myself, which is a children's book. Go check that out on Amazon. But also, and she lives happily ever after my journey to love after divorce. That's also available on Amazon. She's a speaker, a success coach, which we'll get more into, get into a little bit more later on. Effortless vocals, a songwriter that talks about real life. She also has one of my top 10 albums of all time. I introduce to you the amazing, the supreme, Miss Lisa McClendon. How you doing? Hey, that was dope. That was dope. <laughs> How are you? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. Yes. I, I really do because, as I said, I've been following you for years and it's just amazing to get to understand the person behind the music, behind the speaking, behind the 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 author um it's always great to understand the people behind that so people can get a greater understanding of your journey as well so in saying that for those who don't know who you are who is lisa mcclinder and who is hold on let me let me make sure i say this right Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> let me make sure i say this right Mm-mm. is it al Alditha? No, mm-hmm. that, oh, got it all right. Okay. And if you can't pronounce it, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all got to stop digging for stuff. Just call me by my name. Just call me by the name. Nah, I'll let y'all dig. Y'all can't be doing Y'all wrong for that. Y'all, y'all dig for stuff. You don't research. You don't, I've been doing research, you know. I thought, oh, let me just come with this because we got, we got to get clever and pull I, something I, up. I, 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 I tried to just, just no. So, for those who don't know who Lisa, who you are, who is Lisa McClinton? <laughs> I am Lisa McClinton. Yes. Um, uh, artist, creator. Um, definitely a mom, um, student, student of life, mm. student education, student of education. Um, no, you know, that question is always a, a tough one for me because I'm like, how do you answer who is Lisa McClendon? Mm. Um, that's always been one of those questions I'm like, how do they ask that? Because um, it's not really, a, you don't know if the question is being asked, what do you do? Mm. What are you, who you are? It's not necessarily you know, what you actually do. Yeah. Um, but I am, I'm a thinker. I'm a, I'm, uh, man, I, I, more than anything, I'm a thinker. I'm a analyzer. I'm always analyzing stuff. I'm always, and those, all those things play into my create, me creating mm. is the fact that I love to think. I love to, I love to know why, why things are the way things are. I want to know why, why it works that way. Why you think that way? Why do you do what you do? Mm. So um, aside from the stage with, and get to the stage it's all those components of who I am my personality I'm upbeat mm. uh, most of the time I'm bright I love to engage people I love socializing with people I love connecting I also introvert. I love my time alone so that I can regroup because mm. um, I've learned over the years as a creator you're always giving out mm. and you can burn out easy and that's why you hear cases of mental health issues and people taking their lives because they don't know how to retreat and to refill so that's really a part of who I am just being a, allowing myself to be an introvert so that I can refill for me so that I can pour out again into the world. So I think that's a good idea. Now that's, that's a good, you encapsulated a lot there. I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that answer. And you, you talked about kind of the introvert understanding when to kind of be and when to kind of just be here. Does that kind mm-hmm. of come from, you know, growing up the, in terms of learning who you are, learning yourself and what is, you know, growing up in Florida, what is that like? And what is it like being the oldest of four children? So to answer your first question, mm. I don't I don't think it really came as a part of me growing up. I think it came as a part of me being an adult. Mm. And as a result of, so I would say yes and no. And I'm just going to say yes, because growing up, I cared a lot. Mm. I cared a lot. And I didn't know how important it was to retreat until I became an adult and I finally crashed. Mm. And when I crashed um, during my downtime, it was like, oh, 
So you mean to tell me in order for me to be okay, I, I need to retreat. Mm. I need to have moments of quiet. I need to have moments where, um, where my kids understand that I, I need some time mm. or my friends know I need some time. I need to know that I need some time and I don't need to always be around people. That's when, and I learned that as an adult. Mm. And then I realized, had I known this when I was a kid, life would have been a lot easier uh, growing up. So I learned it as an adult. Um, growing up um, as the as the oldest, you know, the funny thing about being the oldest is you're always um, looked to as the responsible one. Mm. You're taking, and again, it ties into the first part of what we just talked yep. about. We were taught to take care of everyone else. Um, for me, I was taught um, along with growing up in the church, not only is it important for you to take care of everyone else, it's selfish when you take care of you. Wow. And I learned as an adult that that is backwards and that is actually that is a recipe for disaster and mm-hmm. it actually goes against the scripture in Matthew that says um there's a scripture that says to love your neighbor as mm-hmm. meaning equal mm-hmm. to yourself so I can't possibly give you something I haven't first given to myself but I was taught that growing up mm-hmm. and again like I said I, one day I crashed and then I had to unlearn a lot of stuff and relearn a lot of stuff so Wow. I want to kind of, I've got questions here, but I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more because you spoke about not just learning that, you know, in the family environment, but learning that as a church in the church in terms of putting yourself second. Mm -hmm. And how did that kind of affect you growing up through, through kind of like your teenage years and and becoming an adult, how did that affect you in terms of how you, you thought of everything around you and, and, how did that affect you in terms of your, I don't want to say energy, but I want to say in terms of your well-being and how you, you maneuvered through life at that point? It affected me a lot. I remember very clearly feeling like I was the savior of my family. Mm. Um, and this is, this, these two situations happened around the same time. Um, I had two family members that were at odds and I always felt like I was responsible for everyone. Mm. And I remember jumping in the middle, trying to keep, them together I was a kid I was I had to be about 13 14 15 and um and I just remember always feeling like I had to jump in to help to save everybody Mm. I wanted always everybody to be at peace so I remember singing and having a panic attack and they had to rush me to the hospital to the emergency room and the doctor said uh she's she's stressed she this is anxiety she's having anxiety attacks and now, you know, and I was, it's weird because I remember being a kid and I don't know if I ever thought about this, but I remember being a kid and I would always have these, the same dream, the recurring dream of me being in a car mm. and I couldn't control the car and I was speeding and I was, a, I was a little kid and I would always, I would always have that dream. And it's funny that I would think of that now. So to answer your question, yes, it brought about, it brought about a lot of anxiety. And I know that, you know, we were taught things and people meant well, mm. um, but that just shows you how important it is for us to have the correct interpretation of stuff because you can pass stuff along to people and you can cause devastation because for years I just carried the weight of the world on my shoulder as a kid just trying to be there for other people because it was selfish to take care of yourself when in fact I always tell people that I work with or I I engage with you know I cannot give you a ride if I don't have any gas in my car Mm. it's impossible there is there's no way I can give you a ride so um it's just very important for us to understand that we have to take care of ourselves first before we can properly take care of the people that we love. So when you saying that, where does the kind of, you kind of spoke about it a little bit, the music journey, where does that kind of start? Considering you've got the weight, what it feels like of the of the world on your shoulders at such mm-hmm. a young age, how does then mm-hmm. music kind of intertwine into, into, that, into your life essentially? Well, I've always said, mm. I come from a musical family. So I've always seen, um, what was weird is I, far as the being a solo, it kind of goes back into that anxiety thing. I, I would always sing. So I was cool with singing with my family who okay. had a family. Group. Uh, but it's always it's the funny story. Everybody has a funny story. Um, our church had to sing at another church's anniversary. The yeah. choir had to sing mm-hmm. and the choir didn't show up. I was part of the choir. I was younger, but I was a part of the choir. And we don't know why the choir didn't show up. And, um, you know, the choir director was kind of nervous. She was like, you know, like we don't have enough people here. Mm. And I don't know where that boldness came from. <laughs> and I just remember hitting my mom and I was like, I'll sing. And she looked at me like, 
like you, you know, you don't sing by yourself. You get scary. You so scary. <laughs> and um, so she said, if you gonna sing, you better sing. Mm. She's like, if you gonna sing, you better sing. And so um, I actually grabbed the mic. I was terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> and I just held the mic and I was shaking and I closed my eyes and I just opened my mouth and I sang. I, I sang the whole time like this. And uh, when I opened my eyes, when I finally opened my eyes, everybody was looking like looking at me like this. Like they couldn't believe it. Like nobody knew that I could sing. So that goes mm. to show you that the boldness was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. The, the boldness was always there. It was always there, um, but it was um, being, if you will, pushed back by fear. Mm. And I just had to push fear out of the way to be who I was created to be. And so I'm like, and I, um, that's just for anybody who's just tuning in, just like whatever, it's already in you. It's just like that seed, mm. that this tree that we see, like the oak tree, it, was, it started as an acorn. That tree was always there. Mm. It was always in the inside of that corn. It had to push past all of the obstacles to be and to stand as it was created to stand and be. Mm. So the Lisa McQueen, she was always there, but I had to choose to push everything out of the way and just be who God created me to be. So was there ever a moment that you kind of felt that you'd kind of had a hold on the fear in terms of you felt like you was, you'd overcome it to a certain degree or was it always still there? Mm, it, it, I overcame it. And like the person that I am now, the person that I walk as, mm. I manifest as, um, there's nothing like the person, it's the scary person. So, and pretty much um, just long story short, I was, um, I was singing on the praise to my, was an adult now. Mm. I was in my twenties and um I was on the, again, it's like history repeating itself. I was a part of a team. Like mm. my family, I sing family. And I was singing a part of the praise team. Mm. And our lead worship leader didn't show up. So the choir didn't show up when I was little. And now I was older. And the, I never looked at it. Anyway, he didn't show up. Wow. And I went, this time I went to, to the meeting. It was over. Um, and I said, Shirley, Tim, Tim's not here. What, what are we going to do? And she was like, what do you mean? What are we doing? Get the mic, lead. I was like, lead? What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> He's like, no, you, you lead. I was like, I, I led a song, but I didn't never let the whole worship service. Mm. And I was afraid. Wow. And I was afraid, terrified. And I grabbed the mic and I sang like this the entire time. And I led and I just kept doing it. And she was like, the more you do it. And I just had to keep pushing that fear away. Um, and and I was sitting in church on one day and this man came that visit our ministry. He stood me up in front of that big old church. And he said, he said, God said, your boat is a lion. Your boat is a lion. Is as, as afraid as I was, your boat is a lion. I just kept singing. And one day the fear just left. I just never had fear again. Look, I can sing on the stage with, in front of thousands of people. And I've done that touring and I, I have no fear at all. Totally night and day, night and day. Because <laughs> you know what it is the, the reason why the reason why in my head I'm just like why I'm kind of thinking and kind of digesting what you're saying is to go from being scared and being a part always being a part of a team always kind of being always kind of being not not essentially in the background but being you know a part of an ensemble of people who 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 produce a, a sound or the instrument in terms of your voices to now be the the, the leading person or pushed into because all of these situations weren't ones that you'd kind of say, yeah, let I'm, I'll, I'll step into it. These were situations that pushed you into having to lead, which then pushed right. you in having to show your gift and help it to manifest. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Absolutely. makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. And it just shows you how, I mean, people call it different things, but it just shows you how God uses the universe to put things strategically in place for you to be who you are. So it's like, God is like, okay, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Let me push that. And it goes back to nothing happens by coincidence. Mm. All things have, you know, um, everything's, um, all things are working together for the good. Like that, that's totally a great example. Things that happen together for the good, for your good, for wherever you need to be, things are strategic, mm. whether it's good or bad. That's why I don't really, really believe in anything bad. Like everything's, everything is used, is, is to be used for yeah, where yeah, you're supposed yeah. to be. Like that's it's just perfect. Like it was a bad situation because you know, in the sense of nobody showed up, but it was they weren't supposed to show up because mm. you were supposed to show up. Ah. They were not supposed to show up so that you could show up. And that's it. So how do you get to doing this? What's it called? Gospel Star Search. 
or the, the gospel, oh. the city's gospel version. So, so we're going, we, we're going back to a time where before you, you, you were adult essentially, but there's still that point where you, you've, you've started singing essentially when the choir didn't show up and then you kind of move to city being the city gospel version of star search. How does that happen? How does that come about? So after I sang, when I said the choir didn't show up yeah. and everyone was like, so now here, here we go. And so now everyone is in my mom's ear. She needs to be singing more. Churches around my little small town are inviting me to sing. I'm singing. And then this gospel star church is coming to town. Mm. And my mom's like, you know, you want to do it? And I was like, you know, my mom had a friend who's like, I think she would be good. She should do it. And he was my coach. He's mm. my, like a pastor. He's my performance coach. Yeah, he's a performance coach. And he trained me in his garage. We would go through songs. And I remember the song I sang, I don't want no peanut butter and jelly. I think that's a song. Um, something like that, by the truth is. Uh some one of those songs. Um, oh no, my strongest weakness is you. Yeah, that was the song that I sang. The other song was another song I sang in the choir, but yeah. yes. And um the first round was interesting because I had to sing against a young lady who was actually my cousin mm. who the tried to pin us against each other. We were like the, the two little girls in this community that could sing and everyone, she sang better than you. And she sang, I was always afraid to sing against her. Yeah. I was always afraid and I had to sing against her and I ended up winning. And um, so that's how I ended up in the, in the gospel star search. Yes. And, and they're crazy again. So always these, what is it with these obstacles? These always these obstacles that make us walk in our greatness. Oh my. And that's what it just seems like is the yeah. pattern of, I mean, even got into further along in terms of your story, but it seems like there's a pattern of where there's a, what looks like a bad situation. That's when, Obstacle. that's when you're propelled to, to being your best. It's funny, but that's crazy, but it's absolutely true. I'm always my greatest um, when I face my biggest obstacles. I don't know that it's crazy. It's just, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the Hulk. I know I'm going to totally left field, but the Hulk from the Avengers, yeah. when, he's in the, when he's in the worst situations, he transforms from David Banner into the Hulk. Like he, he, had, he walks in his greatness but it, he doesn't only, he only comes out when he has to, like when he, when the biggest thing faces him, he has to step in those bigger shoes to be who he is so that he can handle it. Cause he can't handle it as David Banner. He has to be the Hulk. Oh, this is great. <laughs> this is great. This is amazing. Oh. So, <laughs> so what did you learn from that experience on Gospel Star Search? Or what's the one thing that you've kind of, that you took from it and you was like, okay, this will stay with me. That I can do it that I could do it. Um, Cause that, that, that biggest fear was singing against her. And I, I don't think I had a clue that she was singing. I don't remember if I knew it was, I mean, it's been years now, mm. but I remember just, I remember those maroon colored big stage curtains and peeking and I saw her and I was just, I was just, I froze. But even with me freezing, I, I defeated my Goliath. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I got, I, I mean, fear and all. And that just reminds me, like you've done, I always remember, hey, you've done it before, scared, keep doing it. And that's funny because I remember when the guy didn't show up for the praise and worship team, mm. and we didn't eat it that night. And I told her, told the lead, the lady, our music director, she said, do it scared. And like, that's been the theme of my life because if you see the pattern, the fear leave and then something will happen in my life and the fear will come back. Mm. It keep, it, it'll come back and, I, and something happens and I have to face that fear again. And I face that fear again. Do it, do it afraid. I'm doing stuff in my life now afraid. I'm like, do it afraid. Mm. But you know, mm -hmm. at the end of it is going to show the, the greatness that, is already, that you already know is within you. Right. Which is absolutely. Which is absolutely. Yeah, it just it makes me stronger. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. amazing. Just do it afraid. And then, right. And then something, something recently happened. Um, I won't go into details, but something recently happened. And I just had such peace. And the person that was helping me out with the situation, she's like, are you okay? I mean, and I was like, yeah, I've been, I've been through so much in my life. Like it always works out. Mm. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I got, I've learned to, I think I've, I've learned to, I've learned to keep pushing past fear. Mm. It's just weird. But all those things in my life have taught me to keep pushing past fear. And that, it's not that fear doesn't come. I'm just learning to keep pushing past it. And I and I was just like I like I literally was looking at her like she's like, Are you sure you're okay? I'm like, mm-hmm. 
because it always works out. Like it always works out. Like I don't, I, I don't want to put my energy there. I mm. rather put my energy getting on the other side. So it's cool. Mm. So you go from the gospel star search to them recording your first solo album. Mm-hmm. Is how big is that gap between? The end of Gospel Star Search, the first solo album, and, and what's happening in between that time? Oh my God, so much! I was like fifteen. Was I even fifteen? I was I was probably maybe no, maybe about thirteen when I was in the Gospel Star Church, twelve or thirteen. I didn't sign my first deal till I was twenty-five, maybe twenty-five. Yeah. I didn't, first, I didn't sign my first deal, so yeah, you think I'm 12, don't you? Look at So what's happening between that time then, before you even get yeah, to... I've gone, I've gone to college um, to get my degree in um, fashion design. Like, I went actually went to college for fashion design. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Um, I went, so I was in school for fashion design. Yeah. Um, I actually joined another group another girl group, another group I sang with as a young adult. I was about 19 when I, I started singing with this girl group we called Three and One mm-hmm. in Florida. And we would, we would travel a lot and sing. Um, and it's funny because the girl group that I was a part of, we actually auditioned for a label, a record label. And um, the label wasn't interested. And it was a year or so later, I heard from the, one of the persons that ran the label to sign, they wanted to sign me. They weren't interested in the group, but they signed me to a deal. That was my first deal. It was an independent deal. Mm. And from that deal, I was signed to a, late, a major label. What did you learn from doing that solo, first solo album? What was the major things that you learned? Man, you know, I think the biggest thing was, because remember, we didn't have social media on my first album. Like We, we didn't. I think my space was kind of just cracking the yep. scenes. Um, I think what I learned was... Like I had something that that people actually liked. Like I had something that, like I had something. I was like, wow, you you, you got something special. This mm. is this this is not just the gospel star search of your own little town. You know, this is not just the choir. You know, at church, this is not just your family's group. Mm. Like there are thousands, if not millions, of people around the world that really dig what dig what you have. They love your voice. They love the the writing that you do. So that was just like it was a while. It was really a while for me. Like, wow, I'm I'm this little kid from Palaka, Florida, <laughs> and I am in London. <laughs> but now I'm like, I just recorded it out. Like I'm traveling. Like this is. It was just like, and it was weird because as a kid, I always, I'd always saw myself bigger. I just I just didn't know what that was because we didn't mm. have social media. I just knew that I was. It was it was more, and I I, I just had this urge to be where the more was, I just didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to be there. Not knowing years later, we have internet, we have technology will cause us to be in certain, you know, all over the world. But yeah, this is, I just always knew I was bigger. And people would tell me that, like, you're different. As a kid, I would hear that, like, you were different. It was always something about me. Um, and just, you know, it's that that gift that God had given me. Does that first album, when I... Uh. Yeah. When I kind of take in and listen to your journey as an as an artist, essentially, and I listen to that first album, I'm just like, as much as you evolved, your sounds remained consistent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can get artists who they have a, a sound initially in their first album. By the time you hit album number four, the sounds all change and it's all sort of turned up. We've got a little bit of auto-tune on what's going on. Everything's everything's kind of gone to let's be in the mainstream. Let's do what the mainstream is telling us to do. And you just had a consistent, clear, excellent sound, which was so different to anything we had or I had ever heard at that point. And it's clear to see that before we even get to you doing your first album, there was clearly a gifting on your life to be to do something as a solo person, even though you were surrounded by all these different groups, because even before that, as you, you just said, the the, the 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 independent label didn't want to sign you as a group, but a year later, they wanted to sign you. But that's been the consistent 
thing in your life where you've had to step out for the true mm-hmm. greatness to be shown through you, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. Now, something I found out, I went on your Instagram and I scrolled through because I was doing my research and I listened to one of you talking about the, the, the second album, which is Life in the House of Blues. The second major. Second major album. And the third, the album. third album. You talked about you was pregnant whilst you recorded Life in the House of Blues. Oh. Yes. I'm sorry. How- yeah, I was pregnant. I was tired. <laughs> I was so I was tired. Yeah, I, that was that was tough. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I do know what I was thinking. I had some people around me that just really people were kind of everybody was just I don't know everybody was just excited about this album. And so the people that were on my team were like pushing me. And I don't think they really knew that because they were guys, they didn't really knew how dangerous it was to you know or how not necessarily dangerous but how much you had to consider when you're doing an album with a pregnant woman mm. I don't think they really thought that um thought about it until you know hey we're doing it now um but it was extremely hard to do um but the 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 band that I had at that time the singers the um they were just really really supportive um and just you know had some good friends that kind of were there for me but uh I remember I was doing a show with Tina and Mary mm-hmm. uh, from Mary to Mary. And um, Tina, <laughs> Tina was talking to me in the back and, and um, in the green room. And she was like, look, she was like, you need to go home. And I was, <laughs> she was like, because you don't want to have this baby on the road. And she was sharing a story with me. And I was just like, yeah, you know, you're right. And honey, well, I want to say a week or two later, I went in labor. I was I was home. Um, I, I went home by then, but um, I went in labor and I was two months early. I was two months early, so my son was a preemie, and mm. she, but she had just told me that she was like, "You're putting strain on that baby. You need to go home." And so um, it was, it was tough, but we got through it. It was scary because he ended up being in the hospital for quite a, quite a, quite some time. Mm. Want to say thirty days was in the hospital. Wow. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, we gave our all in that album, but it's just I wouldn't do anything like that again. Like if I was pregnant, I wouldn't definitely would wait and just have the baby because it, it was a lot. But he was a he was a studio baby and now he's he's producing music. He's uh, about to be 16 and it's something happened in the womb. <laughs> something happened in the womb. Because he's he's producing music now. And you know what, you know what's and because it's different to recording a studio album and doing a live album, there's 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 definitely less breaks. There's like it's very consistent in terms of how you have to kind of make sure this is right, make sure this sounds right. Like let's do this again. Like right now, there's totally no, there's there's no. Yeah, totally different. Studio live, night and day, night and day. Actually, when it, I actually we started having contractions after the night recorded, my stomach contracted and it wouldn't release, like for some time. And they had to sit after the show was live from House of Blues. The show was over, and they had to sit me down on the stage because my stomach was he wouldn't release. He was in stress. Yeah, it was crazy. What are some of the things you've learned from being signed to independent and you know major labels? What's some of the things that you've learned in the terms of the music industry that you you've you've taken on board and taken with you now with where you're at now? You know, I think I think the biggest and the greatest lesson I've learned is this a game. Mm. It's a game. It's a it's a game of chess. Um, I don't know if I want to say chess. Cause I don't know how to play chess. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a game, and you have to know the game mm. um, so that you can win. Um, one of the things about me, my personality, is um, I like what's right. Mm. I like to stand for what's right. Um, I I advocate for myself. Mm. If I if I see something's wrong, I don't um, by nature. I'm not a conformist. I don't conform. Mm. Um, I advocate for what's right and I stand up for what's right and I fight for what's right. And that doesn't always work in the industry. You mm. have to learn to pick your battles and because um, it's just it's just the nature of the, of the industry. So um, one of the things I've learned is play the game, you know, play the game where you give people what they want. And at the same time, learn how to get what you want, mm. um, you know, and it's, it, there's a way to do it where you can still keep your integrity. Um, but definitely you have to, if anybody who wants to get into this industry, you have to learn the game 
and decide what you are willing to do in the game and then just be clear about it because you're gonna have to play you're gonna have to play the game period what period what advice would you give to your younger lisa mcclendon releasing her first independent album what advice would you give to her now smile smile and say "Mm -hmm." really Mm -hmm. let me tell you why i think a person who did that very well was beyonce Mm. I, I watched I watched her later on. She played the game and she did what everybody kind of wanted her to do when she first went solo. Mm. She did the sexy thing and she kind of did the sexy thing a little bit now, but she did the real sensual thing and whatever that war was at the time. And um she was she sounded her sound was still kind of different, but it was kind of like what everybody else was doing. And it's it's, it's it felt like she well, she was different, but she still kind of played the game. Mm. And when she blew up, she fired who she needed to fire. She hired who she needed to hire, and she she became that diva, or in some in some sense that be, mm. and she she did, and and you she was a force. You could she could do whatever she want now. Mm. And if you notice, if you listen to her music with her Dangerous in Love album to to now, she can do whatever she wants. And regardless of how many critics she have, she has enough support yep. that that you can you're not gonna shut her down. That we cancel can't cancel culture what? <laughs> I, I own the I own the culture. Say that again. It's so true. She played, she played the game. She did. So it's like you got to come in. It's almost just. And then I guess what another way to say it is, earn the right to speak. Mm. You can't come in the room and say everything because you haven't earned. You haven't. You you still earning to be there. Mm. So it's not really a bad thing. It's business. So you got to go in. You know it's. Yeah, it's okay. You should advocate for yourself, but you gotta come in and you gotta you gotta earn that place first. Earn earn that place first, unless it's life or death or it's going against integrity. That's the only way. That's the only time I won't I won't retreat if it's going against my going against what I you know gotta stand up for myself in the in the sense of hurting myself. Mm. But in saying that advice, would you have done anything differently? In terms of you, you say you would have given yourself that advice, but when you think back, would you want to do anything differently than how you've done it? Yeah, I would have done one thing differently. I remember one of the label executives from one of um, from one of, um, from the major label that I was on. Mm. She came to me, and this is a perfect example. She came to me and she pitched an idea for me to to do a um, a song on my album with a legendary gospel quartet. Mm-hmm. And I thought that idea was whack. Because I was like, I'm a neo soul artist and she's trying to make me, but she was she was strategic. Her thing was no, I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. but if I would have done that, it would have opened me to a whole nother audience. And I would have, and I would have, in a in a sense, had that lady eaten out of the palm of my hand mm-hmm. because I did something for her, and it would again, it's the game. Okay, you did something for me. Not what you need me to do for you. Mm. But what I ended up doing was almost borderline making an enemy. Because I had, yeah, I, I borderline made an enemy because it was like, okay, I, you you fought with me about this one little thing I wanted you to do. Because who knows? She she very well probably could have had a meeting with someone and they would have like, what can we do? To, what can we do for this group? And she probably, I'm I'm pretty sure she had a meeting mm. and said, I want to this new artist, Lisa McClendon. I think this would be a good pair. And now to think about it, if I did, if I bucked against it, mm. she has to go back to whoever she talked to and say it's, it's not gonna happen. Mm. So now you make me look dumb. All right, I got you. It's a game. Give people what they want, you'll get what you want. Mm. And that's and that's what I've learned. And I even use that now when you know when I do my work. Mm. Um, the other work that I do with children, um, I'm always having to need something to help these kids. Well, I may I find out what that person needs. What what do they like? Mm. What do they need? What can I, how can I serve them? Because it's about serving each other. You know, it sounds, it sounds manipulative, but it's not really manipulation. It's a game. It's giving people what they want. So they don't feel, so they feel comfortable to give you what you want. Mm. People don't want, people don't want to serve people that are always like this. Mm. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. They're like, okay, you ain't gave me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, so it's a game. You got to give people. You gotta make people feel like they're in charge. Make sure they make people feel good about what they're doing. Yep. And they're gonna help give you what you want. They're gonna make you feel good about what you did. They're gonna push what you're doing, but you gotta be able to give that back first. And I've learned that. And the key thing that you said there is 
making everyone feel important. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how big your thing is to you or how small your their thing is to you. As long as you make them feel important and you give it the right time that it needs and the, and the right effort and, and energy and everything around it, all of a sudden you, you'll notice a turn in terms of relationships. You know, it's a turn in terms of how people start to kind of talk to you and be like, okay, oh, now you'll see the conversations are now different. You'll see how Absolutely. you'll see how people start to put stuff in place without even talking to you because it's like, oh, you did this thing, so I'm going to help you out in this in this area. I'm not even going to speak to you about it. I just want to help you out. Absolutely. Which is very key. What you said, making everyone feel Absolutely. like they're they're equally important. Because we don't we don't you usually don't mean anything by it. It's just that we're in a world now. Everybody's just trying to take care of what they got going on. Mm. That's not how it works. You gotta you gotta make sure you're looking out for what other people have going on too, because you said it, it's important to them. So let it be important to you. Like to have a moment again, it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. Mm. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the 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 era was teaching me not to love myself at all, to take care of other people. Mm. What I learned is no, take care of them, but take care of you too. Mm. So that that's the balance. So you know, I've taken care of me, I'm good. Now, what, how can I, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Like, what, what can I do to serve you? Like, what, how can I be there for you? Mm. And I've had, I had to learn that. Because people want to feel, they want to, they want to feel like somebody cares about their dreams as well, care, care about their goals as well. Mm. And it's that awesome. And that was, carry on. That was her goal. Her goal was to get me on that album. And I was like, I was like, heck no. And she was like, okay, I got you. <laughs> So there was a there was a bit of a break in terms of releasing albums. It felt like from yourself. Yes. What was happening at that time where you kind of I think it was between because you took a, you took about a six year break between a common of the album but between and five a.m. and then you've taken like another five to six year break between five a.m. and then releasing kind of the collection essentially mm-hmm. when you released Brilliant and the, that single and those types of albums. You took a break. So what happened? What was going on in life for you to take a break from music like that, considering mm-hmm. it felt like you was quite consistent up until that point? Um, crashing and burning. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> so the first album, um, I, my, I was having a family transition. Mm. And so that transition really needed me to take a break because I, emo- I, need I needed to heal emotionally. Mm. And then the second, and then the second break, I was in another marriage, big mistake, trying to, because I'd not known how to be by myself. Mm. Um, I, I, I jumped into a second marriage out of panic because um, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my son to be without a father, even though he had a dad, ain't that crazy? Mm. And um, what I did was I buried myself into his life and that the new guy's life. And, you know, he had all these, well, he had these adventure to start a ministry. And so, okay, I'm going to just be the good wife and start his ministry, help him with his ministry. And I was freaking miserable. You did, Lisa, miserable. this is what you, this was, this, the Lisa McClendon that you're talking about at the start, this is what you ended up, huh? Yeah, I was miserable. I was so miserable. And and this is, the, this is why it's important to not let other people make decisions for your life. Because I let other people tell me, Oh no, you, if you, cause they, you know, the, the, the end thing, the, the new, that the trend at that time was if the husband's a wife, the pastor needs to be a wife cause they're the, they're the dynamic duo. Mm. And I don't, I just don't believe that. Like my dad has been a pastor all my life. My mama has never been a pastor, had no desire at all. And it, but that's, it's that look, you know, mm. it's the new it's the trend and you don't, you can't play with people's lives like that. And I'm not built to be a, to, to leave in that capacity. Like I can do one-on-ones with people. I can connect with people in that way, but to put me in a position where I got to be responsible. I, no, that, no, no, I just, and I just, I was miserable. I was miserable. And then um, we just went through a lot and I, and I just cried. But that whole time mm. I was just in his church helping him and preaching. And I was so miserable. I was so miserable. But I was just like, I was letting people tell me that I was, that was the will of God. And I needed to, I needed to follow my husband and serve him. And so, and I, he needed, he needed me to do, he needed Lisa McClendon, if that makes sense. He needed Lisa McClendon to yeah. serve him because that was a good look for him. So where do your dreams go at this point? Oh, they were, I don't know what, they were somewhere. I don't know. They were somewhere. <laughs> You're looking for them now. <laughs> 
It was I did I, I managed to kick out an album like we were married for eight years. I think I managed I managed to kick out an album year five or six. Mm. I think I kicked about year six. And um that was a pretty, pretty dope album. That was 5 a.m. Mm. That was 5 a.m. And 5 a.m. was a result of um me. I had a I had a um I had a breakdown. I had a I had an emotional breakdown. Uh, I was overwhelmed mm. by the church. I was overwhelmed with the responsibility of serving in that capacity of the church. I was overwhelmed with the other personal responsibilities I had gained with being in that marriage. And I had, um, and I just, I broke, I was, I was, I was done. Like I, I, I literally was sitting in the bed trying to figure out where I was. I was just, I was done. And so that's why I was 5 a.m. Cause I had to start getting up every morning at 5 a.m. with nobody bothering me to be an introvert, to go back again to what I knew, which is the retreat. Mm. And I, every, five to seven, I was to, just to myself for about two hours. I had to get up. I had to get up. And it was tough at first when I was making myself because I had to get my get me back. Mm. Yeah. And then um, and then that hiatus again before brilliant is when I finally went through that divorce with him. Mm. And um I just had to shut down completely and say, okay, that was marriage number two. What's going on? Like, what you doing? Let's figure this out. Cause it, now you you don't went through marriage number two. What why 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 this keep happening? And then I just had to have some really hard truths. I went through some counseling, mm. therapy, and learned some stuff about me. And that's when I kind of learned what we talked about earlier about you've been taking care of everyone else and not taking care of you. That that doesn't make sense. You can't give a person a ride if you don't have gas. And I had to start taking care of me. And I learned to take care of me. And my whole life changed. My entire life changed. <sighs> so we've answered that question yeah yeah one of the things that you you just you talked about your whole life changing after marriage number two understanding Mm -hmm. that you were putting everyone else's needs and wants essentially before your own for the people essentially for the people you care about you spoke about and I, I kind of read some interviews and, and in your book in, in um, She Lives Happily Ever After, you speak about putting people's, putting them before yourself, essentially. Was it after marriage number two, during marriage number two? When was the point when you realised, hold on, I'm, 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 I'm continuously not putting myself first? When was that, that? That happened in marriage number two. And I remember, I remember, I remember it. That was when I had that, when I was melting, mm. I was going, my mind was like, I can't do this. <clears throat> I was like, okay, you, you got to take care of you because you can't do this. And I remember um, going to my ex-husband and I was like, um, look, I, I need some time myself because I'm losing it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so drained. Mm. <clears throat> and I remember going to him and I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to go to Wednesday night service. That'd be my time to rest. And he did, he was not having it. Like that does that's gonna make me look bad. My wife in there with me, it's gonna make me look bad. It was crazy. It's gonna make me look bad. What, what, what are people gonna say about me? And I was looking at him like, What black man? If <laughs> a whole hell out of here with that, like all the way out. But I just remember, I but I remember standing there looking at him and I was confused because I was thinking to myself. Did you hear anything I just said? <laughs> like you were talking, you were talking about him. You were talking about you. And I was talking about to, yeah. And I was just like, but I, I, but so, so I was starting to realize I needed some time. I needed to take care of myself. Mm. So I came to say, like, I need to take care of myself. He didn't, he didn't agree. And I think I stopped going for a while, and then I, I caved in and I went back because mm. I felt, I felt, I, but I, but I was, I was being made to feel. Like I was a traitor or whatever. Um, and I went back. And then I, the last time that I was able to come back to that conclusion again, no, I don't care what nobody say, you need time for you, is when I finally was headed to divorce and I was I was having a complete meltdown. I was like, okay, this ain't working. They got to understand it or, or not. And, so, and that's the thing. Um, one of the things I've learned is that nobody's responsible for me but me. Mm. A lot of times we look for people to validate our decisions. And they don't validate our decisions. We we change. We course correct. We go back to doing what everybody else wants us to do. Mm, totally. So, I, you know, so I've learned my decisions are my decisions because they're my decisions. 
because at the end of the day, I'm affected by my decision. And you don't have to agree. That's okay. But I have to, I have to be true to me. I have to make decisions that work for me. And so I started to do that. And, um, and it's cost me friends. It's cost me friends. It's cost me relationships. And it's, and that's been painful. Um, but one of the things I've learned is you have to decide what's more important. Is it more important for you to be healthy? Mm. Or was that being healthy more important and having that relationship? And, I'm, and my, my answer is yes. That because I believe that gives me the opportunity for God to bring me friendships that can be in my life and they respect the decisions that I make for my life. Especially if it has nothing to do with them. <laughs> you know? And that's and that's what I'm listening to you, to you speak and to say that you lost friends considering all you were saying is you needed space, you need to make decisions for yourself and your friends kind of... Uh-huh. That it just shows you. Yeah. It just shows but you. Again, yeah, sorry. You can. You have to, again, because, again, we live in a society right now mm. where everybody's trying to take care of themselves. Everybody's, everybody wants to be successful in everything they're doing. Love, marriage, family, business, everybody, you know, and, and I get that. But not at the, for me, not at the cost of you not being true to you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, and, that, and, and, I, and not at the cost of me not being true to me. So I will often tell people, it's not that you're wrong, and it's not that I'm wrong. We're just not right for each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I just, I just beat to a different rhythm. I'm, I'm dancing to a different rhythm than you, and, and it's okay. If we, if we can't, if we can't get a unified. If we can't get one song, and you dance your dance, and I dance my dance, and we still in rhythm with each other, it's cool. It hurts. Mm. I, I love, I love relationships. But I'm not gonna step out of tune because you mad because I'm not dancing like you. Mm. It's not gonna. It's, I'm just not doing. I'm not doing it anymore because I've done that all my life, and it's and it's and it's cost me to go through two divorce, two divorces, which uh, which greatly impacted my children. Mm. And every each time I've had to start all the way over. And and you get to a certain age, you don't have time to start over. Mm. I'm not starting over. I'm not starting all the way over. You know, I'm no. <laughs> I need to be at, I know where I want to be in life. So I'm not starting over. So if you can't understand that, then it's okay. I don't like it. I love you, but it's okay. I'm good. What advice would you give to someone who is at a current stage where they're putting people before themselves and it's a continuation? It's not just something that's just happened. It's something that they've been doing for years, however long. What advice would you give to that person that's doing that at the moment? That's putting people before themselves? Hmm consistently you like it i love it <laughs> i mean it, it has to be one of those things you know what i'm saying because some so it goes back to what's more important mm. for me it's more important that i honor me first mm. everybody's not there. so my advice i have two sets of advice for the person who wants to honor themselves also my advice to you would be you're going to have to listen to you too hmm. and when, a, when when an opportunity is being presented to you or in a situation is being presented to you how do you feel about it how do you genuinely feel about it and i'm, I'm not talking about um morals hmm. or um or uh, morally yeah morally mm-hmm. in other words if it's something that's morally wrong and you just know or, or unethical or yeah. you don't hold a jail for that yeah that's, you, that's a no-brainer you already know what to do <laughs> yeah. i'm talking about it's gonna it's gonna make you really stop come out of your character it's mm. gonna make you come out of your character it's gonna cause you to do something that you will really really gr- regret later mm. uh, not that it's stretching you to be a better person that's something totally different and i'm gonna say if it's if it's causing you to come out of come come out of being who you are then you're gonna have to practice saying no and that doesn't mean you're, it's going to feel comfortable. People feel like, and I've been there where if it doesn't feel good, I'm not supposed to do it. No, no, because surgery doesn't feel good. Mm. But you have to look at the long-term results. What is the long-term results of this? Mm. You know, if I, if I resist doing this long-term, I'm going to feel better about myself. Go for it. The other advice would be for the person who wants, who is more important for them to be surrounded by people and they don't know how, and you're not ready to let that go, my advice to you is, if you like it, I love it. Because you're not going to listen to my advice. It's true. 
You're not there. And when you get there, then come back and holler at me. Then come back and play this video and listen to the first advice I gave. In all of this that you've kind of been through, how does you know success coaching start up? That's kind of what I want to get into next because a lot of this just sounds like I know initially you started doing it for kids, and I know you you're pushing into doing it for adults, if I'm not mistaken. Um, women particularly. Women particularly, exactly. How does this start? How does that start up? And is that part of is this part of the journey in terms of finding putting yourself first? And is that part of that journey essentially? Um, not necessarily the putting myself first journey. Now I do I do um, empower that in other women, mm. teaching them to put themselves first and how why that is important. Um, so I do I definitely give that message to women and and the girls that I coach, mm-hmm. um, like teaching them now as, as a little girl, like it's important for you to take care of you first before you shoot out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that started as a result because I've been working with kids for years. Mm. Like, my God, even even I would go and tour. Even when I was in London, um, I met with some girls um, while I was there. And did, um, one of my Lisa McClendon, Girls Life with Lisa McClendon events there. Um, I think my second trip to, to London. Mm. And uh, so I've always worked with kids in the, in the background. Um, and I've always been particularly interested in making sure kids are performing successfully academically and emotionally. Mm. And I've been successful in it. And so... Um, I just started having people reach out to me and was like, hey, can you, you um, can you coach my child? Can you coach my child? I, I, and I'm really good with kids who have behavior issues. That's mm-hmm. just always been my specialty. And so people just reach out to me and it's just kind of evolved. And this lady, she connected with me on LinkedIn. And um, she was like, I got people that you need to, I, need, I got people who got kids you need to coach. And she just started sending me students. She started sending me families. And that's how I ended up with a, with a student in Singapore. Like I have, People say, well, we don't live in Florida. I do virtual coaching. All my coaching is virtual. Mm. And if and I just feel like it's, I'm honored because if I can help, reach, if I can reach these kids virtually, mm. successfully, like that says a lot. And I, I'll show you one story. One, one little girl, her session ended. She had had two, two sessions with me that over a long term. And then her session, her last session had ended. And I didn't, you know, I reached back out and said they want to re-up. And I hadn't heard from the parents. I said, okay, well, maybe they, they, you know, they've gotten what they needed. Okay. We had really good success and we're pretty much done mm. and I got this call out of nowhere maybe a month and a half later and um an email I'm sorry an email and the mom said hey my daughter's birthday is Monday and we asked what she wanted for her birthday and she said I want coach Lisa back mm. and I was like standing in the store like wow why what an honor what an honor like this little this is a little I think she was 11 going on she was 10 going on 11 and I'm like are you serious and her parents started her up again and I actually see her every Monday at 6 30 in the good old morning <laughs> 6 <30 in> the- <laughs> but I'm up like I'm, I'm driven to see her mm. but that just shows you know the gift and I and I acknowledge I'm like you have a gift and I've had other organizations nonprofit say to me you have a gift when it comes to kids so mm. my thing is I have a brand I have a brand um and it's it's the music but it's also um, inspiring people. Just my brand is my words, whether that's through music, singing, mm. whether that's through writing, whether that's through coaching, it all goes back to my words. Mm. So that's why I think my gifts, my gift is definitely my words. How far do you want to take success coaching essentially? Cause as, as I, I kind of was looking up and seeing you'd been working with kids for ages, but this success coaching feels like it's, it's quite, quite recent in terms of what you've taken mm-hmm. on. How far do you want to take it? How far do you want to go with it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. And I want to say I don't know because right now I'm, I'm a student. Um, I'm a psychology student, mm. um, by media psychology. And I changed my concentration from human services psychology because that was to help kids to media psychology because kids are, and people in general are really into technology. Like my students, they'll sit, they'll come in my office and they will definitely let me talk to them. And I, and they'll, and they'll, you can see the difference when they leave my office, you know, thank God. Most, most times everything is, you know, I've had some stuff that kids just needed to be released. It wasn't the right environment for them, but for the most part, kids are fine. Mm. But um, kids like to be on their devices. They love movies. They love social media. So I thought, I said, wait a minute. I feel like I can reach more children and be more effective doing psychology work through media mm-hmm. than one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So I guess to answer your question, 
I didn't. I can't. So I can't answer that question actually. So I want to. I want to. It's going to evolve into not just me doing one-on-one -on -one coaching over the phone or virtually. To you are sitting down in a theater. Hmm. You are watching a movie that I was hired. I was hired to come and coach. Um, I was the media coach, the media consultant, psychologist for your for this movie. Hmm. So it'll it'll look different, but I will still be coaching them. But it'll be through music, they're hearing a song that I had some part in it behind the scenes, or they'll be watching a movie on the big screen that's inspiring them that I am coaching them through the script. This is an amazing conversation to have with oh wow to have with you. And the reason why I say that is because. I've watched interviews that you've done, especially recently. I've, I've read different kind of things that you've written, but to understand the life and where you've got to now, considering you were, mm -hmm. you were Lisa McClendon back then, young Lisa McClendon, fear of singing, all these kind of things, to now you're not just, not just singing yourself and you've got music that's coming out that will... will, will to touch on briefly but you're also impacting the next generation as well as you know other women and it's, it's it's never just it's never just about you as the the artist there's so much more to you and this is why i do this type of thing is to make sure that people see that there's much more than just someone you hear who's got an 11 track album or or a seven track ep there's there's much more to the person so yeah this has just been superb i uh, <laughs> super super <laughs> conversation what's one thing that's a hap that kind of stuck with you in life that you've taken from this situation and said okay this is what I'm going to continue to do or this is who I'm going to continue to be what's one thing that you've kind of taken from a deep situation that you said this is just me this is what I'm going to continue to do moving forward this isn't going to change I think well, what definitely won't change is my transparency. I'm very comfortable in that. Um, some things I don't want to share because I don't want to share it, not mm -hmm. because I'm embarrassed. I don't really have a problem with embarrassment when people say, oh, you shared that? Yeah, because um, and I share, I'm strategic with timing. Mm -hmm. I've learned over time as I've gotten older, timing is, you know, timing is important. And so when I feel I'm like, okay, now is the time to share that because again, it's going to help someone. Mm -hmm. This is going to be empowering to someone. So I think that is one of my superpowers is transparency and the fact that I'm is I'm not easily embarrassed. Hmm. So that's definitely something I definitely don't ever want to change. So in this new music that you you've spoken about this year, that's gonna you're gonna be producing, um, is there gonna be a lot of transparency and not a lot of real life, a lot of you know you talking about what you've kind of yeah to get to that point. Definitely a lot of real life, more about relationships. Because hmm. um, I you know I started. After my last divorce, I started dating. Very interesting. I never really dated in my life. I just kind of got married and then got married again. Mm. And so it's just like a lot of things um, that I learned about myself and women in general and how we need to change our narrative, the conversations we're having with ourselves. And we have to start seeing ourselves differently mm. so that we can get what we want in relationships. And yeah, the songs are going to be very women can really connect with and I hopefully these songs that help them walk out of some toxic relationships mm. and it'll open them up to it'll inspire them to open themselves up to healthy relationships because mm. I see a lot of women are bitter now you know hey, all men are dogs no, all, <laughs> men, all men are dogs you're just attracting that why now why am I attracting mm. that why am I attracting that into my space so um, just the things that I've learned, I want to share in the music as it relates to relationships, because I think there's that definitely needs to be addressed. Mm, that is amazing. I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it to come out. Okay. I'm going to be supporting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be. Yeah. I'm going to be listening. I know you said. I know you said this for the women in the relationships, but I'm going to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not every every. Yeah. It's going to be some songs men enjoy. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to be cheated in. <laughs> My last question to you. With where you're at in life now, what advice would you mm -hmm. give to yourself? The, thing, the advice I would give to myself is to push past the obstacles mm. and um, go past the fear. Because fear keeps every now and then to come back. Just remember that little girl that stood in front of that church. She held the mic and she was afraid, but she did it scared. Mm. So that's it. Do it scared. You did it as a little girl. You did it as a young adult. 
And as a mature woman, just keep doing it scared. Just keep doing it scared. Miss Lisa McClendon, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate just having this conversation. I know it's going to bless people as well. This has been Conversation with H, with the amazing, the supreme, the superb. I've run out of adjectives. I can't even say adjectives right. Miss Lisa McClendon, thank you guys for tuning in, and there'll be much more for you very, very soon.